in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 31 is what we're going to cover. I'm going to read the whole passage and we'll begin to break it down. And starting in verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the, the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. We're going to start tonight, though, with verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is the only time that we have recorded in all of Scripture that Jesus left the nation of Israel and the land of Israel during his ministry. He left Egypt for, for Egypt as a baby when Joseph and Mary took him and hid him from Herod during that time right after his birth. But once he came back, we don't have recorded anywhere else in all of the scripture that the rest of the time that Jesus was on the earth, and especially during his ministry years, that he ever left the nation of Israel or the land of Israel except for this one time when he goes to Tyre and Sidon. It's another nation. It's another area. It's northwest of the Sea of Galilee on the Mediterranean Sea. So we're going to ask tonight this question, why did Jesus leave Israel? I'm going to throw out to you three possibilities from the scriptures, and I actually think all three possibilities are correct. But when you put them all together, God wants to show us something really cool for our study tonight. So here's the first possibility as to why Jesus left Israel, something he, we don't see him doing any other time, just this once, why he left Israel to go to Tyre and Sidon. Now, as we've already been seeing in our study, for those of you that have been following along with us, Jesus has had to stay away most of the time from Jerusalem and Judea because the Jewish leaders there were plotting to kill him. Go with me to John chapter 7. I'm going to show you real quickly from the scriptures how the Bible says that the Jews were trying to kill Jesus whenever he went back to Jerusalem and Judea. And in John chapter 7, look at verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Jump over to John chapter 5. Back up a couple of books to John chapter 5. Look at verses 1 through 19. In John chapter 5, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew what, that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and when all I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day that was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man that said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed didn't know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. 
And then, of course, verse 19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now, that verse is going to be important for what we're going to be looking at later on in our study of Matthew 15. So we've seen here that Jesus stayed away from Jerusalem and Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Now we see a couple of the reasons why. One, he was breaking their rules and he was, he was doing these things on the Sabbath that they thought was against the law of God. And on top of that, he called himself God. He made himself equal with God and they wanted to kill him. Jump over to John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, look at verses 31 through 38. In John chapter 8, verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Now, of course, here he again says, you guys are trying to kill me. He's telling this to the Jews in Jerusalem. Let's go to one more place. Go to John chapter 11 real quick. In John chapter 11, verses 45 through 53. In John chapter 11, verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he had did. This is after he had just raised Lazarus from the dead, who had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Listen closely. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Now, we have just seen in a brief study that the Jews were trying to kill Jesus. And so we, he's been staying away from Jerusalem and Judea most of his ministry. He does most of his ministry in the northern part around Galilee to fulfill the scripture prophecies that said he would. But if you remember our last study, I know it's been a few weeks because of my travels and because of the virus not letting us meet together. But if you remember our last study in Matthew chapter 15, go back to Matthew 15 and look at again at verses 1 through 9. He's been staying away from Jerusalem and staying away from Judea for the most part. He would go down during the feast times to fulfill the law and keep the, the full righteousness of the law. But now these guys that were trying to kill him in Jerusalem have made their way up into the northern country. Look at Matthew 15, verses 1 through 9. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they did not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So the, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now these religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, have made their way up from Jerusalem into Galilee, and they're pursuing Jesus up there now. And they're coming after him, and he doesn't back down, and he calls them hypocrites. And he said, you guys think you're worshiping God, but you're not. Your hearts are nowhere near God. Your lips are what you're worshiping him with and your hearts are far from him. And things are getting a little bit heated. So I think Jesus retreats for a season into Gentile country to let things cool down for a bit in Israel. And as we see in our study, verse 21 for tonight, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So one of the three reasons why I believe Jesus has kind of gone to an area that's not Israel during this time. The only time we see him doing this 
in his ministry is that he's going to let things cool down a little bit, even in Galilee. Things were hot in Jerusalem. Now they're getting a little bit heated in Galilee and it wasn't time for him to die. He was in full control of when he died and it wasn't time. And so he now lets things cool down by actually leaving Israel and going to Tyre and Sidon. That's one of the reasons. There's another reason I'm going to show you from Scripture. Interestingly enough, this is the exact same region that God sent Elijah to during the time that the Jews were rejecting the God of Israel and worshiping Baal. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Back in the time of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 17, we see that when Israel is rejecting God, again, they've got a habit of doing that over and over all throughout their history. In 1 Kings 17, look at verses 1 through 9. It said, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. He went and he lived by the brook Kareth, that's east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So we now know that back during the time of uh, Elijah, God had, when the nation of Israel was rejecting him then, had the prophet leave Israel and go to Tyre and Sidon area. And so now he sends him there. Now, there's a reason, and I'm going to show you from Scripture what I, why I think God's duplicating this. First off, from Scripture, and I'm going to show you this, so get your pen and paper out. I believe the Scripture shows that there was a spiritual hunger in Tyre and Sidon for the truth of God and His Word from all throughout their history. There was a little bit of a hunger there. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Now, again, like I've told you before, if you're not sure where 1 Chronicles is, go to 2 Chronicles and back up one book. It's real easy to find. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and look at verses 1 through 5. 1 Chronicles 22 verses 1 through 5. And then David said, Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Now David commanded to gather together the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for building the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails for the doors of the gates and for and for clamps, as well as bronze and quantities beyond weighing, and cedar timbers without number, for the Sidonians and the Tyrians, does that sound familiar? Tyre and Sidon? The Sidonians and the Tyrians brought great quantities of cedar to David. For David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. I will therefore make preparation for it. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. Now, as David is gathering the materials to build the temple, the first temple that he wanted to build, but God said, no, Solomon's going to be the one that puts it together. As David is gathering materials, the people from Tyre and Sidon, <coughs> Excuse me. People from Tyre and Sidon actually help supply the materials. Go to 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. And look at verses 1 through 12. In 1 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram, Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord said to David, my father, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Now, therefore, <coughs> excuse me, command that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me and my servants will join your servants and I will pay you for your servants such wages as you set. For you know that there is no one among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. As soon as Hiram heard the words of Solomon, he rejoiced greatly and said, blessed be the Lord this day who has given to David a wise son to be over this great people. 
And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have heard the message that you have sent to me. I'm ready to do all you desire in the matter of cedar and cypress timber. My servants shall bring it down to the sea from Lebanon, and I will make it into rafts to go by the sea to, play, to the place you direct. And I'll have them broken up there, and you shall receive it, and you shall meet my wishes by providing food for my household. So Hiram supplied Solomon with all the timber of cedar and cypress that he desired, while Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household and 20,000 cores of beaten oil, Solomon gave this to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. So here's the interesting thing. The Sidonians, the Tyre, Tyre, people from Tyre and Sidon, the king of Tyre himself, they all had a heart for God. They praised God. They worshiped God. When they heard that Israel was going to be building this great temple, they wanted to be involved. So there seems to be a spiritual hunger in Tyre and Sidon. And now I'm going to show you from the New Testament. Go with me to the book of Luke. And we're going to look in Luke chapter 4. I'm going to show you that actually God uses the people of Tyre and Sidon to make Israel jealous. God's been using the other nations around the Jews to make Israel jealous for years. It's been a part of his plan. The scripture said he would. Go to Luke chapter 4. And look at verses 16 through 30. In Luke chapter 4, look at verse 16. And he, this is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you'll quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was, set, was built, so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So here Jesus says, hey, you remember, as you guys are rejecting me right now, remember when God brought judgment on Israel? He sent Elijah to someone in Tyre and Sidon, to a widow there, and he took care of them. And there were lots of people that had leprosy in the time of Elisha, but he healed no one in Israel during that time. He healed a Gentile, someone from Tyre and Sidon, a guy named Naaman. And the people were so upset with this that they tried to kill him. But again, it wasn't time. That's why even though they're trying to push him off the hill, he's able supernaturally just to walk away, walk through the crowd. I've many a times thought to myself that Jesus thought to himself that day, I'm going to die on a hill someday, but not this hill and not today. And he walked through the crowd. Go to Luke chapter 6. Look at verses 17 through 19. In Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 17. And he came down with them, this is Jesus, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of where? Look, Tyre and Sidon. People actually came from Tyre and Sidon to hear Jesus preach in this area in Galilee, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Again, stick with me here. The first reason why I believe the scripture shows that Jesus left Israel during his ministry time period and went to Tyre and Sidon, something that we don't see him doing any other time except this once. First off, 
Things are getting heated in Galilee now, just like he had to stay away from Jerusalem most of the time because they were trying to kill him. Now they're chasing him into Galilee and he had to go let things cool down for a season until it was time to die. But we also see that God had a pattern of when Israel was being disobedient to use the other nations to show, hey, these people that you say have no ability to have a relationship with me have more of a heart for me than you do. Oh, these people that you say that I hate because I only love you Jews. Uh-uh. Listen, uh, I've healed them. I sent Elijah to them. I sent Elijah to heal this, this uh, person from Tyre and Sidon and Naaman. And as we see here, there's a spiritual hunger that has been there all along. And God is using it, I think, at this time, as he has throughout history, to make Israel jealous and to get their attention. Go to Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, look at verses 7 through 12. In Mark chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases passed or pressed around him just to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. You're going to see this, by the way. What we just read about here, the people from Tyre and Sidon coming and seeing, is going to parallel with the end of our study tonight as we get to the end of Matthew 15, verse 30, uh, 29 through 31. So stick with me here. But again, we see people from Tyre and Sidon are still coming into Israel to see and to hear Jesus. One last passage. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Now, when I say one last passage, I mean on this point right here. Don't get excited. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verses 20 through 24. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done, there it is, in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it would be more bearable or more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So here we see, again, God using the Tyrians and the Sidonians to make Israel jealous. He's saying, look, these people are responding. They're coming from over there to come here. And they believe they've worshipped me even though they aren't Jews. You need to respond as well. So we see now two reasons why Jesus left Israel for the only time in his ministry that we see recorded. One was to let things cool down in Galilee because things were heated in Jerusalem and now they're getting heated in Galilee. But there's another reason. God had a pattern of using other nations, especially the Tyrians and Sidonians. I love that. The Tyrians. I like that. The Tyrians and the Sidonians to make Israel jealous. I love it. But there's a third reason and we're going to get into and it leads into where we're going in our study tonight with this woman who has a daughter with a demon. The third reason, and I think they're all connected. The third reason we're going to see is that there's a specific reason for Jesus going there. As well as these general reasons, there is a woman and a daughter there that Jesus cares about. Now, you're going to, if you've never seen this story, as we go back to it, go to Matthew 15. If, if you've never seen this story, you're going to say, it sure doesn't look like he cares about her. Stick with me to the end of our study, and you're going to see by the end of our study how incredibly special this woman is. But there's a woman and a daughter there that Jesus cares about and that he desires to use as an example of great faith to his disciples. I believe that Jesus, as we've been talking about, has been teaching his disciples all along. And this isn't just to get out of Israel and let things cool down for a little bit. This isn't just to use the nation to make the Jews jealous. He's also using this woman and her daughter situation to teach his disciples. In Matthew 15, let's look again at verses 22 through 28. In Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman... From that region, their entire Sidon, came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. 
And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs, to the dogs. She said, Yes, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, you remember back when we were in John chapter 5 earlier in our study? Go back there real quick to John chapter 5. As we have seen, Jesus does nothing by accident and nothing of his own will, but only, he only does what his father tells him to do. Go to John chapter 5. Look again at verses 19 and 20. I want you to understand this because it'll help us understand why Jesus deals with this woman the way he does. In John 5, verses 19 through 20, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own accord. I only do what my father leads me on a daily basis and tells me to do. And so, folks, keep this in mind. If Jesus said, I don't do anything except what my father tells me to do, his going to Tyre and Sidon has a reason and a purpose. And it's not an accident that he ends up meeting this woman. Go to John chapter 14. Look at verse 10. In John chapter 14, look at verse 10. Jesus said this, Philip has just said, show us the father. And he says, do you not believe that I'm in the father and the father's in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. So keep this in mind, <clears throat> excuse me, as we deal with Jesus's response to this woman, he's not doing this on his own. The father's led him to do this. And as he responds to her, first by not responding, and then by what he says, which in our mind seems so horrible, so cruel, so vicious, he's only doing what the father tells him to say. He doesn't even say anything of his own will. He yields himself to the father. So what the father is doing, that's what Jesus is doing. So folks, keep this in mind as we get into our study. So everything we see Jesus do here is intentional and has a purpose. Now this woman, who's a Gentile, comes to Jesus begging him to come and to heal her daughter, who is, the scripture tells us in Matthew 15, severely oppressed by a demon. Sounds like a pretty serious request, don't you think? Many of us would say, well, not, don't bother Jesus with that. That's not that big of a deal. This is pretty much as high as you probably could get on this daughter being severely oppressed by a demon. And Jesus doesn't even respond to her. She comes straight to Jesus. She, she cries out to him. Please help. He doesn't even act like he hears her. He doesn't respond. So she continues to call out to his disciples, asking them for help. Look at verse 23. But he didn't answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. She goes to Jesus. He doesn't answer. She runs to the disciples. She's saying to them, help me, help me. My daughter has a demon. Please help me. The disciples come to Jesus and say, send her away. She's driving us nuts. Now, here's an interesting little thing. These are the same disciples that Jesus had returned from. They just returned from Jesus, sending them out two by two. Remember how this all, those of you that were with us in our study of Matthew, we've been tracking how this is all tied together, how the walking on the water was tied to the feeding of the 5,000, how the feeding of the 5,000 was tied to him sending them out two by two. Remember when Jesus sent them out two by two and he said, don't bring any food, don't bring any clothes, don't bring any, any money. And he was trying to teach them his power, his provision as they walk in obedience to him. But they came back and reported all that they had done. And what does he have to do? Reteach the lesson. It's not you, it's me. But Many of us have forgotten in that same story when he sends about two by two, he actually tells them all authority I'm giving you over the demons and the evil spirits. If you go back and take a look, you'll see he gave them authority over the evil spirits. We even see from another account, they come back and report Jesus, even the demons are, are, are obedient to us. Guess what? 
These are the same guys that had cast out demons, and it doesn't even appear that they, like, they even tried. They don't, like we'll see later when we get to Matthew 17, come to Jesus and say, we tried to cast it out, but we weren't able to. They just said, she's driving us crazy. I wonder if because she was a Gentile, they didn't even try to help. They had already made up their mind that this isn't somebody that was even a part of God's plan. They're probably wondering why Jesus would even go into Tyre and Sidon. You remember in John chapter 4, they were curious as to why he would even go through Samaria and talk to that woman at the well. And the disciples themselves, instead of even trying to help, just say, send her away. Send her away. It'll help us in this episode to remember that Jesus already knows what's going to happen. And that he's not only trying to get the attention of his own nation, but he's also still teaching his disciples. This will help us to better understand Jesus' apparent rudeness to this lady and the seeming harshness of what he says next. In verse 24, Jesus states that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Look at verse 24. They come and they say, send her away. She's driving us nuts. She's calling out after us. And Jesus in verse 24 answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, folks, I just want you to understand that this is true. At this time, that is true. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Back up a couple of, of books here in Matthew. Go back to Matthew chapter 10. Remember when he sent his disciples out two by two? Look at verses five and six. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So here when he had sent them out, his instructions were to go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is true that when Jesus came, he came first and foremost only to the people of Israel. They were the ones who were going to be offered salvation first. But don't think for a second that that means that no Gentile has a chance to be saved. I'm going to show you from Scripture that all along God's plan had been that the Gentiles would be included in his salvation plan. Go to Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, look at verses 8 through 12. In Romans 15, starting in verse 8. For I tell you, Paul says, that Christ became a servant of to the circumcised, that's the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. Quoting from 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 50. I'll praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, by the way, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 43, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, in Psalm 117, verse 1, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples, all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says in chapter 11, verse 10 and 11, verse 1, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. Folks, don't miss what Paul said. Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then he shows through 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty. If you want to write them down and double check me, you can do that. 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty, Deuteronomy 32, 43, Psalm 117, verse 1, Isaiah 11, verse 10, and Isaiah 11, verse 1. I know I did that fast, but I warned you ahead of time. You'll see that the Old Testament prophecies have said all along that salvation wasn't just to the Jews. It was to everyone who would believe. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Look at verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For in it, this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We already saw way back in 1 Chronicles and 1 Kings that the people of Tyre and Sidon, remember the Tyrians and the Sidonians, they had a heart for God, which only comes from God. They understood spiritual truth. They worshiped the true God, which only comes from God. This has been God's plan all along. He's doing something for the people of Israel, but he's also including the Gentiles in it. 
Go to Luke chapter 2. At the birth of Jesus, on the day that he was presented in the temple, a wonderful old man named Simeon comes and he makes a prophecy. In Luke 2, starting in verse 22, Scripture says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon even came and said, the scriptures said that he would be also for the Gentiles, not just for Israel, but also for the Gentiles. So, Jesus now, after not responding to this woman, and then saying that he was only sent to the Jews and not the Gentiles yet, she still kneels at his feet and personally begs Jesus again to help her, and Jesus tells her that it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to their dogs. Let this sink in for a minute. You won't, you won't get the full understanding of what's happening here and what God wants to say to you right now until you let this sink in. The woman comes to Jesus. She knows who he is. I'll show you in just a second. She knows who he is. And she calls out to him and says, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. He doesn't even respond. Then the disciples come and say, send her away. She's driving us crazy. And he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to their dogs. Here's a question for you, folks. How many of you would have quit believing by now? How many of you right now are considering giving up on the faith? We're in this virus thing, this pandemic, the stuff that's going on, and everything that we know is falling apart. And I'm pretty sure you've been praying. I'm pretty sure you've been calling out to God. You've been pointing out to him all the things that are happening, how the incomes dropped, how people are getting sick. All these things are happening. And I bet you a lot of you have been calling out to God. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you wonder if your prayers are getting past the ceiling. How many of you quit? When Jesus doesn't answer you right away. And when you call to him and he appears to help and to care more for others than for you. You might even be saying, Lord, I'm in financial trouble here. And you all of a sudden hear about this person who just got a vacation. Or this other person here that their job wasn't lost, but yours was. They actually have a steady income. Even in the midst of this pandemic. But you seem to be losing it. How many of you are going to keep going? How many of you are going to walk away and say, he doesn't respond, he doesn't care, he cares about other people more than me? How many of you feel like he's belittling you? And how many of you would have given up? We have forgotten Matthew chapter 11. Remember Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, the forgotten beatitude? Remember when John the Baptist is sitting in prison and things aren't going like he thought they would, and he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus says, you go back and tell John everything's right on schedule. Then he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, the forgotten beatitude, blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, Jesus says to John, blessed are those who don't quit on account of how I run my world. On the fact that sometimes when you call to me, I'm not going to answer right away. And that doesn't mean I don't care, but you've got to have faith that goes through the trial. It may look like I care about other people more than you and I'm answering their prayers and not yours. Are you going to stick with it? Are you going to be like this Gentile woman? Or are you going to be like the Jews who say he doesn't act like we thought he would and we don't believe in him? Folks, listen to me. Real faith believes and hopes without seeing 
first. Real faith believes and hopes without seeing first because God has spoken and he's already revealed who he is through Jesus and he's made promises and he cannot lie. And real faith says, I know it doesn't look like he cares. I know it doesn't look like he's responding. I know it doesn't look like he's there, but he is. And he's already proven it in the way that means the most through sending his son to die for us. Everything else is gravy. He cares, and he said he cares. He said he'd never leave us. He said he'd never forsake us. He said that he cares more for us than he does the birds of the air and the grass of the field. He said that his children will never go begging bread. He said that he'll take care of us. He's made these promises, and I'm going to hang on, even though it doesn't look like he cares, and it doesn't look like he's listening, and it looks like he cares about other people more than me. The woman from Syrophoenicia wants to be used by Jesus today to teach his disciples. Oh, don't hear Peter, James, and John. Hear Jim Johnson and Elise and Chris and Allison and my wife Becky who are here tonight in this room. We wish it was full like it usually is, but he's talking to his disciples. He's using that same woman to teach you and me tonight. Look at her response. Look at her. Ah, before I get to her response, I got to go to Psalm 108. Go to Psalm 108. We'll get to her response. But Psalm 108 illustrates everything that I just talked to you about. Psalm 108 talks about how things don't look like they're working out, but I'm not going anywhere. Look at what David says. He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer me. God has promised in his holiness with exaltation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, God says. Manasseh is mine, God says. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah, my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I cast my shoe. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies anymore. Oh, grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. David says, I'm not going anywhere. You said that Israel is your portion. You said that you've made promises to the fathers and, the, and you're going to keep them. And Israel will survive. Our pastor, Pastor Titus at First Baptist Merritt Island, has been teaching through the book of Esther. And he is able to show us from chapter 4 of Esther that Mordecai could say to Esther that relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from somewhere else if you don't speak up. Because God's already promised that Israel's going to be there in the last days. God's going to be returning. Jesus is coming back to the land, to the earth, and he's setting his kingdom up in Israel. And since God God made that promise, even though Mordecai wants them all killed. Sorry, Haman wants them all killed. Mordecai's a good guy. Even though Haman wants them all killed, they won't all be all killed because God's made promises. And look at what David says here. Even though you're not going out with our armies anymore, even though it looks like we're on our own, even though it looks like you're not answering our prayers, my heart is steadfast because of who you are and what you've promised. And I'm holding on to your word. That's what the woman does. Jesus has just said to her that it isn't right for the children's food to be taken and thrown to their pet dogs. The word in the Greek is canarios, and it means little dogs, like a pet. Her response is tremendous. Go back to Matthew 15. Her response is tremendous. Let me paraphrase what she says here. She says, I'm okay with being a pet dog. Because even though the food is for the children... Some crumbs fall to the floor and the dogs can eat the crumbs. I'll just take the crumbs. You are Lord. You are the promised son of David. You say, wait a minute. Where did she say that? Go back to verse 22. Look at Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She knew who he was. 
The Jews who were rejecting him, who were saying, this, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this guy the carpenter's kid? They didn't even know who he was, and they didn't believe in him. But these Gentiles, these people from Tyre and Sidon, who had had faith throughout history, some of them, this woman knew who he was. She says, you are Lord. You are the promised son of David. You are so powerful, crumbs will be powerful enough for me. Now, i got to say something to you right now that I want you to hear. We all want God to do something big for us. Do we not realize that something small from God is still huge to us? She had such a view of who God is that she just saw him as so powerful, so immense, so able to take care of her that even if it was meant for someone else and some of it splashed off onto me, that's all I need. I'm okay with that. Let me ask you, some of you that are listening right now, maybe some of us in this room, are you okay with the fact that God may not do it the way you want and it may look like you got leftovers from somebody else? Is your faith such that you know that he's got you so much that you'll be okay with that? I'm not going to have you for the sake of time turn there, but in 2 Kings chapter 5, if you go look at verses 8 through 14, you'll see Naaman. Remember that story Jesus referenced? Naaman, who was healed of leprosy during the time of Elisha? Naaman expected Elisha to come out and wave his hand and do something big. And all Elisha does is send his servant out to tell Naaman, this guy, this king, uh, just go dunk in the Jordan River seven times. And the guy got mad. I expected him to do something big and impressive. And his servants humbly come to him and say, if he had asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Why aren't you willing to just do this small thing? And the guy humbles himself and he goes and he does the small thing. And God turns it into a great miracle. The woman says... I'm okay with being a pet dog because even though the food's for the children, some crumbs fall to the floor and the dogs can eat the crumbs. I'll just take the crumbs because you're Lord. You're the promised son of David. You're so powerful. Crumbs will be powerful enough for me. The Bible says that those who humble themselves will be exalted. Whoever exalts themselves and tells God how he's supposed to do it and when will be humbled. Jesus now in front of his disciples. Don't miss that last part. Jesus now in front of his disciples says to her, woman, great is your faith. If you remember from our study in Matthew 15, early, I mean, chapter 14 earlier, uh, Jesus had already said to Peter, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> now in front of Peter and the rest of the disciples, he says to this woman who's a Gentile that they wouldn't even try to help her either. Woman, great is your faith. Your request is granted. Here's what we're going to do in the time we have left tonight. We're going to close our study for this week by looking at the last verses from our study for today. Go to chapter 15. Look at verses 29 through 31. <clears throat> Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, I want to read this account from Mark's account, this section of it, actually the whole story from Mark's account, because you're going to see that it's really, really helpful. Because it appears that Jesus goes into Tyre and Sidon, deals with the woman, and then just comes back into Israel. He's not in Tyre and Sidon very long. Go to Mark chapter 7. Look at verses 24 through 37. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and didn't want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. It didn't anyone not even know, yet he couldn't be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a siren for Phoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. He goes back into Israel in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought him, to him a man who was deaf, and he had a speech impediment. 
And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is to be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them not to tell anyone. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And there they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Does it appear to anyone else that there's a possibility that Jesus went into Tyre and Sidon specifically to heal that woman's daughter and to use it to teach his disciples? Folks, Jesus has a pattern of doing this. He has a pattern of going out of his way to meet one individual and to meet their needs and thereby accomplish more through it. The woman, remember we talked about her in John chapter 4, the woman in Samaria by the well. The Bible says when the Jews wouldn't even go through Samaria, they'd go around it. Jesus had to, King James says in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, John chapter 4, that he must needs go through Samaria. Jesus went out of his way to go meet that woman at the well. And therefore the whole town in that area was affected. Remember the demoniac? We just see he goes back into Galilee. Interestingly, he goes to what? The Decapolis. That's where the demoniac was. And he goes to that area and word has spread about Jesus by now because of what he did with that guy. And the demoniac was, well, the Bible said Jesus had to get into a boat to go to him. He meets his need and he sends him to his, back to his hometown to his people and that town was affected. How about the two men on the road to Emmaus? They were discouraged, walking away. And on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, you'd think he might take a break, get up a chair and say it's been a full day. No, on that same day, he's been visiting people, appearing here and there. He goes out of his way to go meet these two men who are discouraged on the road. You feeling a little discouraged right now? You feeling a little confused, wondering if well, God knows or if he cares? You feel like what's going on around you in this pandemic has affected your lifestyle in such a way you don't know if it'll ever be the same? Maybe you don't want it the same. Maybe God doesn't want it the same. But know this. He knows. He cares. He knows if you're a woman sitting there by the well feeling like you have no friends. He knows if you've got demon issues to the point that nobody can help you. Or the best they can try is to tie you down with chains. He knows if you're discouraged right now and thinking about going back and giving up on the faith. And he sent this study to you tonight through Facebook to get this message all over this country and hopefully the globe that we can learn something tonight from this Syrophoenician woman and say, even though it looks like you're not listening, even though it looks like you care about others more than me, I believe in who you are because of what you have done already and what you have said. By the way, if this is the case that he went out of his way not just to let things cool down in Galilee or to use the Sidonians and the Tyrians to make Israel jealous, not only to teach his disciples, but if he went out of his way specifically to heal this woman's daughter, all of a sudden this lady that looks like she wasn't that important to Jesus sure has grown in importance, has she not? He leaves the 99 to save the one, you're right. I'm going to close by saying this to you tonight. Live by the truth of who God is and what he has said, what he's promised, not by appearances. That type of faith will be rewarded by Jesus. I love you guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you don't mind sending a comment or two to let us know that you heard and that you got this and share it with those that the Lord lays on your heart. We look forward to seeing you next week. I love you. Bye-bye.